needs coffee. So for those who haven't, I know there's some visitors here, um, and uh, yeah, it's your first time this morning, so you, you don't know where we've been from a, a series point of view, but we've done a series, we're in, in the series, and it's been a long series. We started this in, in January called What Does God Want? The short version is He wants you and me. That, that's the short version, and we could move on. But there's obviously a whole bunch of that, or a bunch of details from this narrative of this beautiful story of, of man kind of uh, losing the plot and God pursuing us and saving us from ourselves. And um, see where we are. Yeah. I'm not seeing it on the monitor. James, is, does it come up here or not? No. Okay, cool. So in terms of this whole thing is, is that when God created humanity, he did that out of a great love for us. And because of that, and in all of what he did, he gave us a mandate. And you can see it up there. Go forth and be fruitful. Go multiply. Go and have dominion over all of what I've created. That's what he's called you and me, to, me, and, me and you to. And it's for male and female. I know often what happens is, is we elevate this kind of maleness. And it's, oh, the men do this and the ladies kind of just follow alongside. No, no. It's husbands and wives. It's male and female, shoulder to shoulder, achieving what God has called us to do. And so in all of this, we have here this place of Eden where heaven and earth coexist, where God's heavenly family and God's earthly family coexist and engage one another in what God wants us to do. And so in all of this process is that in Genesis 11 was that God actually disinherited the nations because of men's sin or humanity's sin. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that went on there with the Nephilim and the watchers coming down, creating the Nephilim through um, having sex with women, all those kind of things. We've been through this whole series on describing all of that. That's why we've got witchcraft and and astrology and all of those things. Those were taught by the sons of God, the the, the heavenly creations or family of God that God had, had brought into a place of authority over the dominion of earth. And then what happens is, is that, uh, the Tower of Babel happens. And that's when God says, that's enough. I'm disinheriting you. No more. And I'm going to put sons of God over you, but I'm going to start afresh. Eden mandates 2.0 with Abraham, which ultimately becomes um, Israel. And of course, what does Israel do? They m- miss the plot and they become parochial. And it's all about us. You know, me, myself, and Jesus. The church can often do that. Me, myself, and life us. No, no, there's a world out there that needs saving and needs the gospel. And the gospel is the antidote to everything that we've got. And so through this process, Jesus not just died for our sins and dealt with the death issue of Genesis 3, didn't just deal with the depravity of man, Genesis chapter 6, but actually dealt with and brought back the nations to himself. And if you go read Psalm 82, it's the perfect uh, psalm for that. And so then what happens is is we get Eden Mandate 3.0. See, we've got three versions of this. He tried in the Garden of Eden. He tried to give it to us, or Israel, in terms of, uh, what happened from Genesis 12 with Abraham. But now what he does is he, and he has the paraphrase, um, Dallas Willard uh, gives us this great paraphrase. I'm just waiting for them to help me with it, otherwise I'm always turning around. And he says, I've, given, I've, I've been given say or authority over everything in heaven and on earth so that you, go, you can go and make the apprentices to me among the people of every kind, all nations, to submerge yourself into the reality of the Trinitarian God and lead them into doing everything that I've told you. Now look, I am with you every minute until the job is completely done. 
And obviously, it's a paraphrase, not a translation, but it gives insights into what that Matthew 28 is really talking about. Uh, what, who is a disciple? What is a disciple? Because we had to understand that if we are being called to go make disciples, then what is a disciple and what are we making? Because otherwise, if we don't know what a disciple is and what we're making, then we just don't know what we're making, if that makes sense. So, a disciple of Jesus is an apprentice of Jesus learning from him on how to lead my life in the kingdom of God as he would if he was me or you. In other words, when we are with Jesus, we become like him and we do what he would do if he was me. That is the perfect plan that God has for your life. If you are living out the life that Jesus would if he was you. Simple as that. And that is what apprentice or a disciple of Jesus is. So in this whole thing is that kingdom living is living in the reality of all the wonderful things that we see in Scripture. Like how many of us think, ah, I wish we could be back at the Acts 2. I wish we could see all of these miracles and signs and wonders and see many come to Christ and, you know, salvation, a saving knowledge of who Jesus is and all of those good things. We want to see that happen more and more. I don't know about you, but I want to see that. I want to see revival. I want to be able to live in the kingdom of God and, and, and understand that, he, that I'm fully rested in, in what he's doing no matter what the circumstances are. I know many of us, I mean, we had a, a kingdom business meeting on Friday morning. And, and, and the pain and the emotional stress that some people are under financially and economically is massive at the moment. I mean, they've even changed Megawatt Park to Gravy Train Park on Google. You can go look at it. Why? Because we've got people who are selfish and are just taking what is not theirs for themselves and it's causing harm. And that's why we've got all the load shedding and everything else that we've got, or at least it's part of it anyway. But the point is, is living in the kingdom of God. I shared this last week. It's living in the power and the character of God. And what happens is, is this is done inwardly when what we do is we take on the qualities of who God is. Our character starts to change. And in that process, what we do is we demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God. And we've got to have both. If we don't have the character of God, then we are like a baby with a power tool. And you can imagine what that looks like. And if we or just, okay, we're taking on the qualities of God, but not demonstrating the power of God, then what good is the gospel? Because then we just sit and we do our own thing, and we kind of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm okay, me, myself, and I, and our community, and everything else, but what are we doing as we move and have our being? Are we engaging the world out there with this amazing gospel of grace of Jesus Christ and touching people's lives? Still not working, unfortunately. My amazing slides, yet you're not seen, but they are amazing. So, I really encourage everyone to memorize scripture. I think in our, in our daily kind of setup, we, we are so, like all we've got is we could go on to uh, Facebook and um, all those other kind of social media things and you've got these little quick clips and the shorter the better and as long as it gives me a little chuckle or a little kind of insight, I'm happy with that. And you watch the kids and they go through like one at a time. Just like, hoi, hoi, hoi. Or actually it's up. Just swipe up. But the point is, is what God is calling us to is to be able to, to submerge ourselves in the reality of the scriptures that talk about who he is. And I shared two scriptures with you. Who can tell me what they were? 1 Corinthians 13. We know it as the love chapter. Isn't it interesting that we, we hear these amazing scriptures and we just want to sing songs about them as opposed to living them out? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. For these three things remain. Faith, hope, and? 
Now, do we understand what that means? Because everything else, we can be the greatest of anything, but without love, we are just a noise to God. So with all of this stuff, are we taking in those scriptures? Are we reading Colossians 3 and seeing the, the magnificence of who Jesus is? As Dallas Willard says, that Colossians 3 is like uh, Paul basically backed up the truck of the gospel and just dumped everything onto the Colossians. Go and read and, and memorize it and allow it. Because what happens is, is our minds start to, when, when we do this, it come and we start to get possessed by the scriptures. And we start to live it out and it becomes part of us. And the reward is not having them, oh, I, you know what, I can memorize Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, which I could. In fact, even half of 3. I've lost it a little bit over, over the last couple of years. But to be able to memorize scripture and to say, I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened and enlightened to see the goodness of who God is. This glorious inheritance that we have in the saints and the power for those who believe. That just does something inside of me because it was a scripture that spoke to me. Can we do the same with these scriptures? Can I exhort you and encourage you that we could have, actually have like a, without being performance driven, this is not about memory. It's about the transformation of the scriptures that happens because it, what it does, it, it impacts my mind, it touches my emotions and my feelings, and it changes my soul. It transforms me. So we're not doing memory of scripture for memory's sake, and then we, you know, we get a badge, you know, like we scouts. You know. It's got nothing to do with that. God doesn't want us to perform. God wants us to be with him and to become like him. And part of that is his word that just kind of flows into us and we start to move and act the way Jesus would if he was me. Does it make sense? So if I could put up, oh wait, there we go. No, not yet. Okay, almost, almost there. So memorization of scripture will take three things. I haven't even started my preach this morning. I'm just kind of touching on what we've done before. Is that, you know what it requires is concentration. So it actually takes you some time to, to, to set aside and go, okay, I pray that the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean? That he would give me the Spirit. Who's the Spirit? Holy Spirit. Wisdom, revelation to know him. What does that know? Oh, it's Greek for genosko. It's the way that a man knows his wife. It, it's an intimate connection. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him because it changes me. When we start to do that, so that's the first thing is have this concentration and this undistracted time that we spend reading the scripture and memorizing it. Repetition. We know that in anything it's repetition. The more you repeat something, the more you try and ride a bike. You try and do everything. It's training. And the more we train, the more we just naturally respond in that way. And then what's lastly is understanding. Because when I've got understanding, I don't necessarily need repetition. So what are the three things again? Concentration, repetition, and understanding. Let's do that with the scriptures, and especially those two scriptures over the season. I want to exhort all of you. Let's learn the scripture. Let's memorize it. Because I promise you, it's going to deep, go deep within us and change us. So what does kingdom living include? This is what I shared last week, and I shared it as I did some ministry. Is We need to acknowledge God, not just in the small things, but, but in, the big, not in the big things, but in the small things too. Like I, I know that for me, I've, I've kind of felt, why do I have to do, not have to, but grace. Grace becomes this, you know, I remember we were at school, and we were a prefect body, and we used to lead the Tuesday morning. That was a long time ago, I know, but... 
the point is, is um, as a prefect body, we had this one guy, and he was quite a comical guy. And uh, his name was, was, uh, was Kieran. And uh, he, uh, it was a funny thing. I know I'm going off a tangent here, but we were playing rugby, and he tackled the guy and got knocked out, clean knocked out. And when we woke him up, I kind of got him to come, come right. He, he said, Mom, I'll have tea, thanks. So we realized, okay, this guy's in trouble. But uh, he got up, and, and you know, as part of the prayer, because we always used to, and I was at Greenside High School, so kind of half Jewish, half Christian kind of environment. And uh, he got up and he said, Lord, for what we're about to receive, uh, we'd be truly thankful. And of course, we got into big trouble for it. But you see, that's what happens is we go into these ritualistic things. Why don't we, for grace, just stop with our families and say, let's remember Jesus. Let's remember the gospel. Let's talk about the gospel. Let's share who, the, what about, uh, the goodness about who God is in those small little moments when we get those breaks. And sometimes maybe taste the food first before you thank him. Okay, just eat. And what do we need to do? We need to invest, take risks. Take the risk like we've said now. Let's, let's step out and go, God, I'm praying for this person. And unless you come through, well, <laughs> I'm going to look like a, a nana. But let me be a nana for you rather than just sit back and wait and go, okay, God, you do what you need to do. Now, God's asking us, I believe this is a season. We have been so lulled over this last season with COVID and everything else. And I know COVID's a while gone, but I think we're still stuck in our, this inertia of actually not moving forward. I'm, I'm asking and I'm, I'm imploring you guys, let's step forward and let's take some risks with God. What Dale and Jordan are doing, of course it's a risk. How do you think I feel as his uncle? What happens if they don't come back? Did we hear God? What is going on? But I believe that as they risk and as we pray and we pray for protection, that they will be in a massive blessing to the people in the Ukraine. Or do we just sit back and go, oh, no, God said, but you know what? Ugh, no, I don't believe in the power of the gospel. I don't believe in the power of the kingdom. So I'm going to sit back and just let others do it. No, let's all step into it and let's risk the stuff. And then let's rest in what God has said. Let's not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, present our request to God. And then allow the peace of God that says all understanding come upon us so that we don't have to worry about what's going on around us. Now, I know that rolls off my tongue right now. If you were in my household over the last few months, that's not how I've been living. It's like, oh God, what's going on? Why am I? How are you feeling? I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I feel like I'm in a boxing ring with three boxes. And once I've knocked that one down, I turn around and there's a bigger one hitting me. <laughs> Did you like that one? <laughs> ha! We have liftoff. You're brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. What I didn't say earlier was like Psalm 2. What does the person get, the psalmist get transformed by the meditation on God's word? There's my three things. There's those two scriptures. Write them down. Let's go for it. Let's start to memorize these scriptures so that we can get there. And this is where I'm at. So don't, like I said to you, don't, don't dig up what God's doing. Allow God to go through the process with you. Don't get impatient. You know, God is in the waiting. God is in the delay. I, I don't like it, but he is. Accept your death. And this is where I'm starting my message this morning. I know I've already been going probably 10 minutes, maybe longer. But anyway, Colossians 3, which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment. It's not about dying now. It's not about you leaving Project Planet Earth. This is about you, you dying spiritually to Jesus, going to the cross with Jesus. It's the end of yourself. Now, we're going to get into that and what that means. But we actually need to let go of the old life and to move forward. 
That's why Colossians 3 says, For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. It's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it? I mean, how come you, you're dead, but you, you've got a life? No, but I'm dead. How can I have life? But there are two lives that we have. We have a life before Jesus, but then we die with Jesus. We go to the cross, and we're supposed to die to our old self, which has inclinations and a fleshly nature, and we've got a new nature, and we've got a new life, a life of abundance to live into. Why don't we do that? Well, I'll share some of the things of why I think we don't. And the challenge is to give up that previous life, isn't it? Like, no, but I'm used to those things. Maybe you were an addict or whatever it might be. Maybe you had certain friends that were not helpful to you. And for the young teenagers and young 20-year-olds, show me your friends and I will prophesy your future right now. There are some people, and I don't know why I'm saying this, there are some people that you are friends with that you should not be friends with because they are going to influence you down a road that will lead in destruction. I'll leave that. I don't know if that's for somebody here. The kingdom of God is not an obvious thing. Like you can't go, oh, there's the kingdom of God. Did you feel it? Like in some ways, yes, you can. But you can't go, oh, there's the kingdom of God. Oh, I see it moving. Yeah, in some ways, you can. It's like the wind, right? You see the influence of God. You see the trees moving. You see somebody getting influence. We saw as people prayed, we felt the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is already but not yet. Isn't it frustrating? I, I want the kingdom of God now. I don't want the kingdom of not yet. Like, God, I want you to, to do all of what you do, but it kind of comes in and then it fades away. And it comes in and fades away. The woman who's bleeding and, and reaches out and touches Jesus, kingdom now. The kingdom not yet. Who touched me? All in the same moment of what God is doing and what God is saying. And saying, all of this, if our life is hidden in Christ, and that kingdom is a hidden realm, which is not obvious to us, then think about it. My natural self cannot access it. Only my newborn spirit within me, my new life, can access the kingdom of God for me. Are we doing that? Or are we carrying on with our old self and trying to access something which we cannot access without faith? Because that is the currency, that is the method, that is the ticket, that is the way that we engage God. See, many have tried this and have failed. You see, the kingdom of God is the basis of death to self. What do you mean, Gary? <laughs> well, the secret to living in the kingdom of God is dying to self and then being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You've got to have both. No good dying to self and then not getting filled up because what happens when you, when the scripture, we saw that, when they got rid of the seven demons, guess what happened? And often what we do is we empty ourselves. And often what happens is, is we've got people going to be baptized, and Louise and I have been talking about this, and people come up here and they go under the water and it, it is a spiritual warfare moment. They are vowing, they are changing allegiances from the enemy to Jesus. And then we send them off the rest of the week to the wolves. No, no, as a community, we need to be around. Whoever's getting baptized this morning, whoever you are, make sure that you stay connected to community and make sure that there are a few people here that give you a call during the week. How are you doing? Because the enemy doesn't like this. And your old self is going to want to go back to the comfort and convenience that you felt before that. And it's going to be difficult. Doesn't mean we don't do it. No, because I tell you what, the magnificence of the kingdom of God as you journey, when you break through, you will realize it is worth it. And I want to encourage you in that. So unless this happens, you will never know who you are. L look at our world today. People don't know who they are. And I was born in the wrong body. 
I'm supposed to be male. No, I'm supposed to be female. No, I don't know what I am. I'm non-binary. I mean, oh my goodness. Like seriously, where has our world gone? So let's not identify with who we are. No, I am a son of God. My name is Gary John Bradshaw, son of Ellen and John Bradshaw. And I have been given a purpose under God to plant a church and to lead a church into a place where we can influence this area for the gospel of Jesus. And that people's lives are changed and that is my inheritance. What is yours? That is the promise of God over my life. At times do I look at it and I go, what is going on? 100%. They're laughing because they know. The eldership, and I'm sitting there going, you know, God said these things, and I feel like Abraham without a child. I don't know when God will do those things. Maybe I won't see what Lifehouse will be while I'm on Project Planet Earth. Abraham did not see it fully, did he? He saw bits of it. I've said that this church, one day there will be cars coming here because people want to come to just be in the presence of God. I hope I'm here. I hope I'm still leading this church, but I may not be. But God has promised that, and that's why we do it. Do I give up? I promise you I felt like doing it. But no, we carry on because God has said. Why? Because what we do is we find life in the things that are not eternal. As opposed to looking for God for the eternal things to live in the eternal life that God has given us. What is eternal life? What is eternal life? It's in the scriptures. What is it to know God and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent? That is eternal life. Not whether I see the promises in my lifetime that God has spoken. And one thing I do know, and Dale spoke about this in the prayer meeting, God is faithful. He will, whatever he has promised, whatever he conceives, he will birth and he will father. That I can promise you, and I've seen that in my life. So Dallas Willard, and this is a quote, but I've kind of done it in bullet points, says, death to self is fleeing a life that is inferior to, should have been, or of your, your old nature, in favor of one of the kingdom of God. That alone will, in, will nourish you and enable you to be the person that God wants you to be, or actually who you are supposed to be, and who you actually want to be. Don't you know with your kids, you know that this is good for them. You know that if they do this and they do that, it's going to be good for them. But no, they want ice cream for dinner every night. We know that that's not going to be helpful or healthy for them. So sometimes there's this no, but actually what they do want is they want to be healthy. They want, when they go into the sports field, they don't want to run 20 meters and go, oh my gosh, what just happened? So we try and we, with all of these things, I wanted to be a worship leader. That was my heart. Like I break the 10th commandment every Sunday when I watch these guys play. If you don't know what the 10th commandment is, thou shalt not covet. So now you know. But I would love, I mean, I went for guitar lessons for years. I became a reasonable guitarist. But when I started to sing, grace flowed from the people to me, not from me to you. And I'm a worshiper. That I do know. You watch me up here. I, I, I love worship. But to stand up here and sing... It's not going to really work. But God's called me to teach and preach that I do not. Right? So in all of this stuff, it's like, and I've got their scissors. Why? Because I know one day I arrived here and the worship leaders, Paul and Dale, were using scissors to unscrew something. 
Now, who knows that that doesn't work very well. You destroy the scissors and the screw. Why? Because God has created us to be certain things. And when we find out who we are and whose we are, and we understand this is what we've been called to, we become dangerous to the enemy. And we become instruments in God's hands to achieve what he's called us to do. And we've got to stop going back and say, oh, I want to be a worship leader, and I'm not a worship leader, God, so I'm not going to do anything. So dying to self, we, 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 we don't like that word, do we? It's negative connotations, because we've got to die. Dying, we know, is death, people not around anymore. We lost Bosco not so long ago. It's hard, it's tearing. Death is horrible. We were never meant to die. We were never created to die until sin came and caused the death issue. But Jesus has overcome that through his death burial, and resurrection, and we have a new life that we actually take into eternity. That's what has happened. The problem is, is our flesh is still dying because it's still part of this dispensation. We're going to get new bodies, by the way. I don't know about you, but I know mine's not going to be on blood. It's going to, be on, it's going to run on light because we won't even have the sun. We're going to have God himself who's going to just inject light into us, and I think we're going to be able to fly. I don't know about you, but that's one of my dreams. Not to fly in an airplane and jump out of airplanes, but to actually just fly. Just, just, you know? Sorry. But what about dying to self being an alternative rather than being a negative? Let's just switch this around and maybe look at it from a different angle. Because righteousness is not all about, oh, I'm not going to do wrong. That's pharisaical. What did the Pharisees say? You know what? I even tithe from my mint and my dill and my cumin. That's like going and, and going to your spice rack and taking 10% and giving it to the priests. God doesn't want that. God wants our heart to be a generous giver. Yes, tithing and all of that is part of that, and giving and offerings and all those kinds of things, but it's actually about us offering ourselves as living sacrifices. And as a result of that, yes, finances flow. But if you just, oh, jeez, that's my tithe. Let me push the button. Oh, okay. That was really hard again. I don't feel like this month because I, I actually want to go on holiday. And um, God, you can just wait for your money. What is that saying about your, your walk with God and your heart towards God? And that's not to get money. So understand that. I want to say that categorically. This has got nothing to do with me and Lifehouse Church. As you people know, most of you, I don't take a salary from this church. So I can say that unequivocally. Holiness is more about where our lives are directed. It's like, where do bees go? They go for pollen. They're attracted to pollen. Why do you come to Lifehouse Church on a Sunday morning or go to Life Group during the week? Hopefully the presence of God's there because the believers are gathering. I don't know about you, but... This is the best place for me on planet Project Earth. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's not happening, when I step into this place, and it's not the building, it's not whatever, it's the fact that this is a holy place, consecrated, set apart for God, that God spoke about this to me on my first day of planting this church, way back in Grant and Lee's uh, living room in, in Yixkay Park. And I told them this is what we we're going to do. And, and we're standing in the promises, the product of God's promises right now. And I just sense his presence. I was so sad when, um, when Ivan and Tabo actually cleaned the bricks and they painted them with this thing because right up there, that brick up there, the second one from the left from that beam had 3110, the date of my birthday. It was a promise to me that God said. 
Romans chapter 6, we, we were therefore buried with them through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live with new life. See, this new life is something to be savored and something to direct our lives towards and to leave the past behind. See, life is the self-initiating, self-sustaining, and self-directing power. Now, I've got the example goldfish. I told you my example of my daughter last week. Jenna's not here, so I can tell the the story again. If she was here, I wouldn't be able to because I'd get into trouble. She's playing hockey this morning. So we we, we weren't sure what we were doing in terms of we were thinking maybe we'd plant a church overseas, so we didn't want to get pets. We'd bought pets when we first got married, and then we went overseas, and it was heartbreaking to give them away. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. So we got her a goldfish because, I mean, that's pretty easy. It doesn't last very long, and, but it didn't even last a day because we were sitting in the lounge, and Jenna came through with it and said, don't work, Daddy, don't work. She wanted to play with it, clearly. We tried to put it back in and revive it. I did mouth to mouth. No, I didn't. But what does a goldfish do when it dies? Yeah, it kind of belly to the sun, doesn't it, or to the sky. Does it have self-initiating, self-sustaining, and self-directing power anymore? No, it doesn't. There's no life left in it. So when we understand what life is, it's exactly what we've got there. But, so if we've been buried with Jesus and we've accepted our death, then we've got to put away the past life and we've got to move on to the new life that God's given us. Empowered by Holy Spirit and empowered by the kingdom of God and living, like I wish we could change that reign to actually R-E-I-G-H-N. The reign of God, not just go, oh, let's have a reign. No, let's let the reign of God, the dominion of God, the kingdom of God come. I'd prefer if we had those words. So let's change it next time we, we sing. What is your vision of God in the kingdom? Remember what I said. It's Dallas Willard's thing, Vim. Think, remember old Vim. Who, if you remember Vim, you've been around a while. The, who doesn't know what Vim is? Put up your hand. Okay, Vim was like a, the, the detergent that we used to clean stuff. It was like, what would you? Yeah, but what, would you, what is it equivalent now? Like handy Andy type thing, except it was like a powder. And it, everyone used it. It was a real South African thing, vim. But vision, intention, means. What's your vision? Because if you don't have a vision for something, you won't have an intention to make decisions, and you won't find the means to actually achieve it. So what is your vision of God and the kingdom? Or do you just come to church and, and listen, oh, that was nice, preach, oh, it was okay, worship was okay, okay, oh, we could have done that better, or, or uh, <laughs> Like what, surely we don't just come to church and sit here and listen to me. Because honestly, that must be a boring life for you. I'm serious. Like we said, we don't want a consumer mentality in this church. Please don't come and consume religious goods and services from us. Come and be part of a community. Come and join in and be, go to Tarbor and Becky with, uh, with Willem and, uh, and the rest of the crowd who are going in there and, and impacting that, that area in a massive way. We, we went down and we ministered in, in KZN. Dale and, and Jordan went and ministered in um, Springs. What's it? Albertan. Albertan. Um, Albertan. Um, and, uh, you know, all of these things. We went and ministered down in, in Salt Rock last, last year. We want people to come along with us. We're going down to Amanism Toti. In, I'm looking for villain, but he's not there. In September, I think. Get involved. Go. I promise you, when you go on a trip... Take the time, take, we'll give you the dates. Just go and go and give of yourself. And guess what? You come back more filled than what you gave. 100% every single time. And I don't know why I'm saying that because not even in my notes. Anyway, here's Jesus. Matthew chapter 16. 
Remember, I shared this on, on Easter Sunday. Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi, the place of the rock. And we read that, upon this rock, I will build my church. And we say, oh, that's on Peter's revelation. And we get all theoretical and theological about it. No, there's a big rock there. There's a big cave there that goes deep into the ground. It was called the gates of hell. It was where the watchers came down and where they started to influence man with an extra massive implications around humanity's depravity. Jesus was picking a fight with the enemy that day. So he sits there and he says, Simon Peter, who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay, that wasn't revealed to you by your flesh. You didn't, you, you're not so bright, Peter. We know that. So that's why he chose Peter. Peter's the, the least brightest of them all, right? He says, that was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Holy Spirit kind of came and went, hey, Pete, hoid him a little revelation. Peter felt quite good about himself. But look what happens after that. Jesus starts to tell them, I, I'm, I'm going to, I've now got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be smashed and beaten and to the inch of my, my death there, and then I'm going to be crucified. They're going to kill me. And what does Peter say? Bible, no ways. I'm not letting this happen. What is Jesus' response then? Get behind me. Hasatan is the way you should say it. The adversary. The one who wants to come against us, who holds stuff on us. But when we get saved, when we go to the courts, when we go for judgment day, Father God looks at us and goes, oh, this one looks like Jesus. In you come. So in all of this, what is he saying? He's saying, actually, Peter, what you've done is you are not following my kingdom values, my kingdom plans, my power that I've actually said is what needs to happen, and you're going based on your own flesh and on what you want. So I'm letting you know right now, you've overstepped your mark, and instead of accessing the kingdom of God, you're accessing your own desires and what you want. Get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but you don't want to hear that from, from Father God or from Jesus. I've lost connection. Uh, George, have you, are you fiddling? Here we go. See, what was Peter's problem? He was captivated with his old vision or the vision he had in his head. How many of us have got plans and purposes? And it says that a man in Proverbs, this is a man will... Um, will plan his future, but God will establish his steps. So how many of us, it's good to have plans. It's good to have objectives. It's, I think it's a, it's a great thing to do. When we do counseling and Nini and Michael are here, and we know that the first thing I give them is, actually, do you have a plan for your spiritual life and for your marriage? Because everyone just gets into marriage. Oh, we're just going to get married. Now, now what? Oh, do you want kids? No, I don't. But I want kids. Oh, well, did you talk about that? Examples. What do you want out of life? What do you want when you get to the end of your life? What do you, what, if you were... At your funeral or at your memorial and people are standing up there, what would you want them to say about you? Surely that's what you should aim at because that's what God has put on your heart. But now you've got all these plans and all these purposes. So here's Peter. He's got this vision. He's just heard from God that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But the problem was, was that the reality wasn't manifested in his spirit yet. Because when the pressure came on and the toothpaste was squeezed, guess what came out? 
It wasn't condensed milk, it was toothpaste. So you can say all that you want, that you're an apple tree, but if you're producing pears, then that's what you are, the reality that you're living in. Are we producing the fruit of the Spirit, or are we producing the fruit of the flesh in what we're doing? And are we training off the spot? Because we can't do this by try. You know we've said this. We do this by training. Being with Jesus, becoming like him, slowly, incrementally, spiritual formation through spiritual practices. The spiritual practices are not performance. They just help us get to Jesus. And I'm going to share one in a moment around what we do there. And my example is the Comrades Marathon. Is if I want to run the Comrades Marathon, to show you whether or not that vision has been manifested in my heart, I will be getting up early every morning and going for a run. If I'm not getting up, then that vision is not real. It's not a reality to me. What is the reality of the kingdom of God to you right now? Are you getting up and engaging God and accessing that kingdom on a daily basis? Because if you're not, then please don't say that you have a vision of the kingdom of God and God in your life. But you can have it. This is not a, a smack. This is not a whatever. I'm encouraging you. All you have to do is access it because it's there and available. But let's not fake it. Let's actually do it because that's where the power of the kingdom is to change the world that we live in. See, humanity looks for the physical things, doesn't it? You know, the, the, the advent of modernism. You know, and I don't know if you know what modernism is, but essentially it kind of came through in the 18th century where it was, now there's an explanation, a scientific explanation for any miracle that you've seen. You know, so when the Israelites crossed, you know, the Red Sea, it wasn't really in flood. You could walk there ankle deep. It wasn't a problem. But then I suppose the response is then what was even a greater miracle was the whole Egyptian army drowned in that ankle-deep water. But that's what modernism does. It takes away the power of the kingdom and it tries to explain it in a way that, oh no, humanity did it. Man did it. But actually the power and the substances are found in the kingdom of God. And that's why Moses, um, you can see in, I think I've lost, I've lost a, a scripture there. But Moses, I think it's in uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. He comes and he describes what has actually happened. I think I've actually got it here. No, it's gone. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he, he describes, and then again in, a, in a Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Moses engaged the one who was invisible, and that's how he persevered. We need to engage the invisible realm, which is actually greater and more substan substance, substantive, I don't know if that's the right word, to access it so that we can draw down the, the, the power of the kingdom of God to live out the life that God's given to us. And so that's why in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this, is not to fix our eyes on temporal things and the things we see. Because when we see these things, we think, it's, yes, of course it's real. But actually, let's focus on the eternal, which is unseen, the unseen realm. So faith is essentially the knowledge of the vision of the invisible world and what that does is it's the confidence and reality of knowing that that invisible world and the one that God inhabits, that actually that informs us for what we should be doing. So maybe physically things are not working out for you. Are you engaging God? Are you engaging the kingdom of God? Are you engaging the invisible realm where the kingdom of God is to hear what God is saying so that you can either just hear God going, just keep going, Gary, just keep going, Gary, or no, actually, Gary, stop, go left, go right, or whatever it might be. See, the promise of Scripture is if you seek God, maybe you'll find Him. And go read. There's a number of things. Not just once. It says it a number of times. If you seek God, He will be found. 
It's, not, it's, it's, it's a, an imperative. So we're going to do a science lesson. I know Richard loves this. Who knows what E equals MC squared means? Who? Einstein. When? Long, long time ago. And what it is, is the energy of matter equals the mass of matter times the speed of light or a constant, right? Speed of light is 300,000 kilometers an hour. On a most basic level, what, we, what I'm trying to say here is that energy and mass are interchangeable. They're basically different forms of the same thing. Why am I saying you this? Out of the infinite energy of God, he created the universe. His energy produced matter. We can do the same. And you go, oh, what do you mean? No, because if we have the energy of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom, and we've got access to that thing, we can do what God did. Because Jesus said that we would do greater things than him. No, no, Gary, come on. Then why is it that people's legs have grown back? Why is it that people have... Their kidney grew back or their lung or whatever. There are documented medical things. Now, do we see enough of it? No, we don't. But there are documented medical things that that's what's happened. Amazingly, Jesus at the heart of that. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. This beautiful expression of who Jesus is and the miracles that he did. What did he do when he multiplied the bread and the fish and the loaves? By faith... He trusted in God. He accessed the kingdom of God and the power of God. And that energy came in and it multiplied and it reproduced. Are we able to do the same thing? Of course we are. Jesus was just a man. He put aside his divinity. That's why God and Jesus said we would do greater things than him. But if we're not going to do that and we're going to sit back and not risk and not acknowledge him in all of what we do, we're never ever going to get there. You see, death to self is... This abandonment of this self-physical reality, and it's rather engaging the eternal reality of God, which is greater than the physical reality than what we see. So what you see in front of you and the obstacles that you see, I loved what happened in the prayer meeting was uh, Anthony said he had this picture of a sand road with, with bumps, and I think he's used to that because he's got a, he goes to uh, the bush often and you know, he's in a, a game-viewing vehicle and there's lots of bumps and rocks, and if you hit those things wrong, you lose people out the back, you know. And, and what he felt was like those rocks and those bumps are actually self-things that we put in there, self-preservation, self-this, self-that. And this morning we are being called to get out and take those rocks and put them on the side so that we can start to drive on the road that God's actually destined for us. What are the rocks in your life that you need to remove this morning? That God's actually saying to you, you need to, to, to deal with that. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we were made for the kingdom of God. Like, that's where we fit best. Like, that's where we are drawn to the best. That's where our life, this new life that we're given, actually gets expressed the best. If, if you are got this new life, but you're still living in the past, like I said just now, like Peter, in your old vision, in your own life, actually, no wonder your life's such a pain and such a frustration. Because you're not living in what God has actually made you for. You're living in this other thing. And that's why there's this tension and this stress and everything else that goes with it. See, what we do is, we, we've got this will to do good. You speak to anybody. We always want to have this. You watch a child. We send them out to kids' ministry. And they go and they make stuff. What do they do? They go and make it and where do they bring it? Bring it to their parents. 
We've all got that innate in us. We want to do what God's called us to do and bring it to him. I want to implore all of us, let's find something better to aim at than being happy in this life. The pursuit of happiness. Who was the actor? Will Smith. Where is he now? Disgraced getting up and slapping a friend in front of everybody on national TV. International TV. I want to say to you, don't pursue happiness. Why don't you pursue being worthy of happiness? And actually allow God to take you into the place of happiness by relying on him to take you into that space. Rather than fighting for happiness because you will not get it. It will be like trying to take a hold of something that you've seen of mice and men. Taking a little rabbit and you're just too strong and you just squeeze the life out of it. It will kill you. Rather, with all of this stuff, is that when we look at when God commands us, he actually commands us because it helps us live in the kingdom of God. It gives us the keys to be able to live out this life, not that life which was our past, which our old man was there. And our choice, we have a choice to live in that today or not. God is not going to force you to. You may be saved and you may have your ticket to heaven, but you can actually live in the kingdom of God now. And access the power of the kingdom now. Or you can go back to your past and have your own vision of what that looks like here. Where you're in control and you're at the driver's seat. Good luck. Because you know what you're doing? You're riding a bicycle when you've actually got a land cruiser waiting for you to take you through the bush. We've got two kinds of will. Impulsive will. I want and I want and I want it now. Hmm. Freddie Mercury. Here we go again. I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. That is, the, that is the song of the world. I've got my things, I want to do it my way, and if I don't get it my way, I'm going to throw a tantrum just like your children do when they don't get what they want. And sometimes some adults do the same thing. Our reflective of those, we get to choose because God, through the kingdom of God, and through the knowledge of God, through reading scripture, which I said earlier, through all of these things, it starts to change us, and it starts to bring us into a relationship with him, that with all of this stuff, then I start to understand who God is, and I'm able to stay in the fire, despite the fact that I've got to get out of here, it's hot. But I know God's got me on this, and he's promised, and I'm going to keep going, because I'm going to come out the other side. And guess who's in the fire with us? Go and read Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there were four and not three. Because Jesus will be in the fire with us. But if we don't invite him in, guess what? And as we do that, God brings us more fully and fully into the glory of the kingdom and his power to overcome and to move into what he's called us into. So lastly, we're kind of coming to land is the power of God and his kingdom is dangerous. Who knows that if I go and stick my finger in the socket over there, it's not going to end well. Electricity is powerful, but it is dangerous. The kingdom of God and God himself is powerful, but he is dangerous. Don't mess with God. Ananias and Sapphira, who knows the story? They go and they sell a piece of land. And they come and they say, oh, yeah, look, we're generous. Look, we're giving you all this money. We sold our land and we're giving you it all. And they faked it. God didn't ask them to give it all. God didn't ask them to go sell the land. But what they wanted to do was they wanted to fake it to look like generous people in the community. But when the Spirit of God was being poured out over that time, when the kingdom of God is coming in its, kind of, uh, in its beauty and in its um, untaintedness, boy, it's dangerous. 
Because the same thing happens in 1 Corinthians 11 when guys are taking communion, ach, let's just chay because I'm hungry. And they start to get sick. And when God starts to move and the Spirit of God starts to move, we've got to understand that it is dangerous. Let's not be fakes. Let's step into, yes, let's risk. <laughs> let's risk with all we've got because faith is R-I-S-K. But let's not step back and look good because I want to seem to be generous. So I'm going to, hey guys, I'm going to show you. I'm going to put my offering in the basket. I Meanwhile, well, God has told me to give 10,000 rand, but I gave 1,000. When we fake it, what happens? The power of God killed them. Why? Because they were afraid of losing control. They didn't believe God would come through with them for them. Who, who, who here this morning is feeling that, like, God, if you don't come through, I'm done. It's actually a really good place to be. Don't try and fake it and don't try and boer mark a plan. Us, us South Africans are way too good at that. Let me take back the driver wheel. God, just step aside, come out the car, I need to drive again. Go and read to Toby Mac. Go, go listen to Toby Mac and give the driver's wheel back to God because we need to acknowledge, we need to risk, we need to rest, and we need to die to self. Why? Because that's the vision that sustains us and gives us the future that God's called us to. So let's look at fasting very briefly. See, fasting, through fasting, I receive the sustenance for my body from God. So when we go and we do a fast, how are you going to go about it? Because Jesus says this, no man shall live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God, right? That, that word bread is actually food. It's not just bread. But it gives the indication of what it is. So my question is, is when we go fast and we do all of this stuff, like Jesus says, don't look miserable when you fast. But who knows, when you go without food, it's not lacquer. But Moses went up the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. He comes back down. He sees the people have gone and built a golden calf. He turns around. He goes up and does another 40. Don't go do that. You will die. Unless God has told you to do that. Because Moses was sustained by the power of God because he did it unto the Lord. And when we fast unto the Lord, we get sustained. That actually we receive the sustenance from heaven, from the kingdom of God, like no other. And it actually helps us in our bodies and it deals with appropriating the kingdom of God in our bodies, which is probably the biggest thing that causes us to fall. What are the things that we struggle with? You think about it, it's mostly your body and your flesh crying out for something. But in fasting and through a spiritual practice, which is just one example I'm giving you, what we do is we bring about the sustenance and the change and the transformation of God by allowing the sustenance of God through that time that actually we're not miserable gets running around. Because we don't have food. But we're engaging God through that time and receiving his sustenance. Because what that does, and I know Jesus at the woman of, at the well, and the, his, the disciples go off and get him food. And he says to her, when they come back and they've got the food now, and he was, it says that he was really hungry, and he sent them to get food. Now he's sitting there and they bring him back the food. And he goes, actually, I don't need it because actually my food is to do the will of the Father. When we are engaged with God in the kingdom and we access it through faith and we trust in God, the power of the kingdom comes and sustains us through that time and deals with this issue around our bodies following the kingdom of God and obeying him. It deals with this monster of self, doesn't it? See, when we don't get what we want, we start to get angry and frustrated and we blame God and we blame everybody else. But actually Jesus says, unless... You pick up your cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. 
And the way of the cross is intrinsically linked to the fullness of the Spirit, which Anthony's going to be sharing next week. Because if we're not filled with the Spirit and the power of the gospel, we're stuck. Do you know that your soul hungers for excitement? We all want to be part of a, if it's a movie, a good film movie. We watch Maverick. Yeah! We watch Geostorm. Yeah! Everybody claps at the end when the hero saves the day. We all want to be part of those kind of stories. I don't know about you, but I do. I want my life to matter and I want to leave a legacy. But what we do is if we're not linked to the kingdom of God, we put substitutes in. One of the biggest substitutes in our day is sports, isn't it? Which has been perverted. I mean, how is it that a soccer player, football player, those guys who were playing yesterday in the FA Cup are earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week? Come on, that's disgusting. You've got countries that are starving to death and you've got one individual earning that kind of money. Gets perverted. But we see we get a buzz with all of this stuff, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, sexuality, whatever it is, we get a buzz around it because it makes us feel good for a moment. But instead of accessing the kingdom of God, we use those substitutes. And the reality is if we don't see the alternative of the kingdom of God and the new life that I spoke of right in the beginning, then what we do is we go for those substitutes and we're a sitting duck for the enemy. Because he won't kill you at once. He'll take one piece out of you at a time until your boat sinks and you, you actually can't make your way back to shore. See, our, soul, our souls really hunger for holiness, righteousness, and goodness. And the reality is the struggle. There's a struggle in there. But if we access the kingdom and the power of the gospel and the power of the kingdom, actually God starts to bring that to, to, to pass and the substitutes won't destroy us. Does that mean you numb yourself? No. Does that mean you shut yourself down and you become nothing? No. That's not what dying to self means. It's actually a positive thrust of your soul towards the kingdom of God as opposed to the old self. It's an alternative. It is not a negative connotation. I wonder if we saw that, that actually we, God has got an exciting drama for us to all be involved in. And one of the things <laughs> I was preparing and I saw, these guys were actually doing a drama on the crucifixion of Christ. And uh, they were obviously acting out. You know, and there was this guy on the cross of Jesus. He was tied to the thing. And other guys were going around whipping him and spitting on him, but playing there were spitting on him. But then one guy actually spat on him. <laughs> And the guy went, hey, you wait until I come off this thing. I'm going to move you. <laughs> you see, you can, life's not about this play and this drama that we're doing. Where when the tacky hits the tar, you go back to your old self and you go and you act out of here. See, if we understand that there are practical ways for us to access the kingdom through spiritual disciplines, through fasting, through silence and solitude, through meditation on the word through prayer through community and we understand all of those things then we keep ourselves in this place that actually we see what's really going on in the universe and we see what god is actually doing and not just oh my goodness eskim so i'm apostle what are you doing oh my gosh donald trump's running for president again joe biden is nowhere to be seen do you hear what i'm trying to say when we look around our world today with the leadership that's there I mean, the Canadian president or prime minister, oh my gosh. What's happening in New Zealand and prime ministers resigning and UK, how many prime ministers have they had just this year? Joe Bigmayer. I mean, we can keep going if we look at those things, but if we understand that, actually, hold on a second, 
you know that God is bringing humanity, his redeemed people, you and me. Go read um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 22. That God brings everything, the universe, into our salvation. And then sets us up to rule with him in eternity. And if he's doing all of that through us, then surely if we belong to the kingdom of God, this is the best deal we could ever have. To put our old self apart because actually we are becoming that which we already are. And the more we do that and the more we become the children of God and the more we start to walk in his ways and the more we access the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom of God and he changes our character and we transform from one degree of glory to another and we meditate on his scripture and we come into community and we encourage one another. And sometimes I need encouragement. Sometimes I'm encouraging you. And then other times we, we go for silence and solitude and we hear the Lord speak to us and it changes the trajectory of where our lives are going. Is that what we're about or are we faking it? I want to say to you, let's acknowledge God. Let's invest and risk on what Jesus said to step out, like this morning we did and we prayed for people. Let's rest in who God is and what he has said to us. But let's die to self and not allow the vision of our old self to take, like Peter did, but rather, actually, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What can I do for you, Lord? Thank you for what you've done for me. Sorry it was a bit long this morning, but I think this is such a key thing for us going forward. If we die to self, if I say, my old man, just get down. And we know my old man keeps trying to get out the grave. Let's start to push that down. Because then when we are facing business deals, when we're facing pressure, we go, God, I can't do this. I need you to break in right now. Because if you don't break in, Actually, the business is lost or the deal is lost or the, whatever it is. Maybe it's a relationship. God, unless you break in, this relationship is broken. God, I need you to come in. Teach me to do things differently if I need to. Lord, help me forgive because some things I'm struggling to forgive. And unless you give me the power to forgive, I'm not going to. How do I reconcile? Lord, I'm in need of provision. Lord, you know what, you, what, what we need. I don't know if you're going to come through, but actually, like Job says, even if you take my life, I will yet worship and praise you. Is that not the kingdom? Is that not the nature that we operate out of rather than this, no, Jesus, you're not going to do this. Actually, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking of what I've got for you, but you're thinking of what you want for yourself, and actually, I've got something way better for you. Won't you stand, please?